You're working from home and things are going swimmingly. Today is busy. You can handle busy. Then suddenly your computer starts spazzing. This is stressful because you're working on a time-sensitive deliverable. You had everything on track, but now you don't. Meanwhile, you get a text from your boss saying that she needs you to put everything on pause and help with a separate project. And as if things couldn't get any worse, a colleague is now calling you about who knows what. Can't they see that you're swamped and feeling overwhelmed? Well, no, actually, they can't. The fact that they can't highlights one of the greatest drawbacks to remote work. When you aren't in an office with someone, it's much harder to gauge their mental state and emotional status. This deficiency can lead to a slew of complications, including the one that we just illustrated. Today, we're going to discuss how we can overcome this in-person deficiency and become more effective at long-distance empathy. If you're managing remote teams, collaborating remotely, or simply care about the well-being of colleagues who aren't in the office with you, then stick around. What is up, Explorners? Mary Daphne here of Explorning.co, where we believe social skills are the key to the good life. What's the good life? It's a life where you call the shots, you have a crew you can count on, and you're on a mission that you care about. Before I jump in, I wanted to tell you about a great free resource that we've created for the Explorning community. It's a comprehensive small talk guide. If you find yourself grasping at thin air when you're in unfamiliar social situations, then our small talk guide is for you. Click the link in the description box below to get the downloadable delivered straight to your inbox. Back to the lesson. Remote work is becoming increasingly commonplace. And while it comes with many advantages, one of the major drawbacks of remote work is the inherent difficulty in reading the emotional state of our colleagues and clients. When we're interacting with people in person, we can read their body language and facial expressions. Coupled with their tone of voice and posture, we get over 93% of the information we need to understand how they are feeling. And the remaining 7% is their words. These numbers were not pulled from thin air, by the way. They come from an in-depth study by Professor Albert Meribian on the complex dynamics of in-person communication. So the challenge when working remotely is to overcome the fact that whenever we send an email or a text, 93% of the information we subconsciously communicate in person is excluded. And it actually goes beyond that. When we've recently interacted with someone, their image is fresh in our minds. Research shows that we're more likely to treat those people kindly. Of course, the opposite also applies. When we haven't recently interacted with someone, their image in our minds has faded and we view them as less familiar to us, and thus, we're less likely to behave favorably toward them. So how do we handle this? There are a number of strategies that we can deploy. 
And in this lesson, we'll discuss two. The first strategy is pretty straightforward. Whenever possible, take the opportunity to engage with people through video chat or by phone. Now, this is not to say that you shouldn't also communicate by email or Slack. Those are excellent mediums for conveying detailed instructions and creating an informative paper trail. But if you're sending out an important email, follow it up with a call to see if the recipient had any questions. Or if you're assigning something to someone whom you haven't seen in a while, see if they're available for a Zoom call to go through the specifics in person. During those calls, there's no magic to what you say. Simply hearing their voice and them hearing yours, and if it's a video chat, seeing each other's faces will do wonders for reinforcing the sense of understanding and camaraderie between you. And if you stray into a little small talk, let it happen. That's part of what makes us human, so savor it. The second strategy is to dial up your empathy meter to 11. This goes for when you're making those voice and video calls, but it also applies to your written communications. If you sense even the slightest bit of frustration or anxiety when interacting with someone, don't ignore it. Explore it. See if you can get to the bottom of it. Maybe the person is feeling overwhelmed because they have too much on their plate. Maybe something stressful is going on at home. Either way, by identifying these signs of distress, you can act accordingly by assigning a task to someone else or offering to lend a helping hand. Now, when you're operating with this heightened sensitivity, it is possible that you will run into false positives. For example, what you detected as frustration might instead be simply the result of rushed writing. That's why it's important to not make assumptions. Probe the situation and get the information that you need to know how they're feeling one way or another. So there you have it, two powerful ways to integrate empathy into your remote collaboration. Let's quickly recap. Email, texting, and other forms of written communication inherently lack empathy. We treat people better when their image is fresh in our heads. You can refresh that image with a short voice or video call. Be on high alert for signs of distress when interacting with your colleagues and address the issue as soon as you encounter it. By embracing a more empathetic style of remote collaboration, you lay a foundation for happier and more productive teams. When we know more about how our teammates are feeling, Workloads are better balanced and morale is higher. And as is the case with most of our strategies for remote work, these methods are equally effective when you're in the same office. Empathetic communication is a surefire way to improve the quality of your professional interactions and build stronger bonds with the people that you work with. So the next time that you're working from home, don't be afraid to put a little more feeling into it. So now that I've shared our thoughts, I'd love to hear your own ideas for collaborating with empathy. Do you think it's important to know how your colleagues are feeling? Have you been in situations where empathy was lacking? How did it make you feel? Share that with me and the Exploring Community in the comments down below. And if you loved this lesson, 
please be sure to let me know. You can give this video a thumbs up on YouTube. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to join our tribe of explorers so that you never miss a lesson. And if you ring that bell, you'll get notified about our new lessons and weekly live streams. Email this video to a friend or a coworker who also wants to supercharge their social skills. And while we're at it, feel free to also share it with your Facebook and Twitter friends as well. And remember that the write-ups of these lessons are always available on our blog at explorning.co slash blog. With that, have an awesome week, Explorers. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you next time for your next Exploring lesson. Happy Exploring!